0: Welcome to The Clutter Queen. Here I talk about all things that make up the disability world and in short make us different, unique, or beautifully weird. Here we embrace all of what makes us, us. Okay guys, welcome to our episode number two. I'm actually pissed because <laughs> we were I recorded a whole session before this, like a whole probably 20 minutes of us talking and I didn't record anything at all. Like I pressed pause and I pressed play and nothing was playing. It was just like, sp- like space. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't record. Sh- I didn't record shit. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Washington's here with us today. Um she is a great great person. <laughs> super <you>. super smart. <laughs> she is fluent in French. Yeah. Wants to move to France in the future. And she's studying at OSU a junior and she's really good in operations management. Is cool. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And um she's from Columbus and we met at a poetry slam. Um, I want to say Beginning of October, you said? I actually feel like it was back in September. I feel like I have, it was a minute ago.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like it was September 10th. I have such a bad concept of time.
0: Obviously, I do too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'll let her explain to you her hobbies and her passions and her diagnosis. So go ahead. Um. So my hobbies. I really love just like reading and walking and enjoying
1: nature. Um, I love going on just like long, quiet drives um I'm going. I'm starting to enjoy cooking a lot more as well now that I like live by myself and I don't have a meal plan on campus. Like, yeah, it's, it's learn to cook or starve. so I've been watching a lot of Patty labelle and hoping for the oh. best.
0: <laughs> so, um, and Tabitha Brown too. Really? Oh yeah, she's good. I heard she's really good. I love Tabitha.
1: Yeah, yeah, um,
0: yeah. And so that's kind
1: of like my hobbies and my passions. I'm very passionate about. You know, advocacy and giving people an outlet to express themselves mm-hmm. and helping people with self-actualization. Because I wish that I would have focused more on myself, and I, I wish I would have been a little bit more selfish mm-hmm. when I was mm-hmm. when I was younger. Right. Um, so now I'm doing it now, and I'm happy that I learned it. You know, at 20 and not 40. So. Amen into that. I'm That's just crazy. grateful. I'm just grateful for the use of time. I'm learning and growing in my own time. Yeah. Um, and then my diagnosis. So I'm diagnosed with combined type ADHD and autism. Um, so what that kind of means for me is that uh, sometimes I don't really understand social cues. My brain moves at a mile a minute. So sometimes it's hard. Um, it's hard for my brain to keep up with itself, Man. so it's kind of like a runaway train, Right. Um, or, you know, 14 tabs are open, and I don't know where the music is coming from.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how we begin. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, you know, just certain, with certain behaviors that I have, it's hard for me to understand people's changes in facial expressions, communication has definitely been A learning curve for me, especially in college, where it's kind of expected Uh for you to be very socially active. Right, 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 right. You know, I find that I find that very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So my when my autism kind of represents itself, like I could have a conversation with somebody and I'll say something, and their face will change. I'm like, why did your face change? Is that good? Is that bad? What Mm, did I do? What did I say? I see. Um, So it's just very, it's very confusing. I also do a lot of like repetitive behaviors um so for example like i'll watch this same show over and over and over and over again Uh like 12 times in a row Uh and still just love it just the same Uh i've seen new girl like eight times consecutively Uh um seasons one through seven (laughs) Uh and or like when i get like very overstimulated in social environments spinning will make me feel better oh okay um so like i'll just find a private place and just spin around in circles um so yeah, that's kind of been my
0: experience with autism up until... You know, oh, sorry. Now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so interesting because I used to um, work at this camp, like, that was my first year of high school, no, my last year of high school, actually. And the girl that I was, I was a one-on-one counselor, my first year working at a camp, right? And <laughs> my friend from high school got me the job. So I was like, whatever, I'll do it. So it was like an all-day job. Every day besides I was off weekends and my the first kid I had, she was twelve and she had autism and it was so amazing because I learned so much that summer of how to work with her because my first cause like my friend was saying every counselor that she had had quit on her like the first two weeks, the first month. Like no one would stick with her because they thought it was just too hard. And I was like, I'ma just I'm just going to and see, have an open mind and see what happens. So I had her and um, I remember she would always, she would get upset at something that happened and she would, instead of like telling me how she felt verbally, she would just like lash out, like throw things, hit things. She hit me in the face one time, which because she got really mad, but she would never explain to me what was wrong. And so she wouldn't explain to me until after she had calmed down. And I remember seeing her spin in circles. I think to calm myself down, like she would get like a stick and just I would let her just spin and spin and spin. As long as she wasn't hitting me, I ain't care what she did. <laughs> yeah. So she was spinning circles. And I'm like, okay, okay, so that makes a lot of sense now. Because before, when I was younger, I had no idea why. I would just let her do her thing. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. So,
1: the, so usually when you're overstimulated, the issue is, is that everything feels really really big so like when i'm overstimulated like it almost feels like i can feel the blood moving through my body mm. i can feel how skit how like my skin feels mm. i can feel Like, my clothes on my skin. Like, because normally you don't think about those things. But, like, I have a really big thing with texture. So certain foods I can't eat because I don't like the texture. Like, taste doesn't matter. I just, I can't do the texture. Mm -hmm. Or, like, certain clothes I can't wear because I just don't like how it feels on my skin. And I'm too aware of how it feels on my skin. Okay, okay, okay. So, you know, when you're spinning, it's just that when you're overstimulated and everything feels big. But when you spin, you get really dizzy. Mm -hmm. And all you can focus on is the fact that you're just dizzy. Mm-hmm. And spinning so like whenever I spin, I can't focus on how my skin, how my skin feels, how you know my atoms feel or how my neurons feel I'm snapping all through my body. Mm-hmm. I just can focus on the fact that I'm busy and it just very much helps me feel centered and I calm down and it just like oh <sighs> good, all good.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Okay, that's so cool. um My other question was okay, so ADHD mm-hmm. also a spectrum. Um, and so I'm not sure how you categorize the spectrums of ADHD, but when i when I read on, well, what I've seen on TED Talks and podcasts, um, what I heard, actually, I'm sorry, is that basically there's severe, there's like mild and there's not so mild for the ADHD, I guess. I'm not sure. Do you know um, the correct terms?
1: I <laughs> actually don't. Um, I think that when I was diagnosed with ADHD, I was diagnosed as like on the lower end. Okay. So mild. Um, B, and the reason that I was diagnosed that way is because when it came to school I still had the ability to do well because I had so many coping mechanisms with school. Okay. It was more so my social relationships that okay. suffered. Okay, okay. So, um, because the way I was raised, school and academ academia was very, very, very same, important. Same. So, you know, that was my focus. School became my identity. And, you know, I didn't really care about having friends. I didn't want to have friends. I just kind of didn't want to be hated. Right, so right, I didn't right. need people to love me. I just needed them to not hate me. So, you know, that was kind of my focus. And I just didn't understand why it didn't click. Like, I just was not able to communicate or associate well with peers with peers that were my age so I just thought I just I don't get people and I never will so that's kind of how I interpreted my behavior with other individuals for a really really long time just I'm a weirdo nobody gets it it's fine um and then you know you'll have those people where it's like everybody was like oh she's just the emo kid who's like nobody gets me (sighs) So I got categorized. I got put in that box, and so you know, my Not parents also put me in that box. So okay. you know, my parents were like, "Oh, it's just a phase. She'll grow out oh, of really? it." Oh, wow, really? Wow, wow! And you know. You're like you don't want to talk to people now, but you'll you'll grow out of it. And then I turned eighteen and was like, Washington, you don't want to invite your friends over to the house and they're good friends. And I have I have one friend, I have one person I like, and that's it. And you've met them multiple times. Okay, I don't know enough people to have a party here, and I don't want all these people in my house and in my room. And so just like having those conversations, like I was very much Daria, like just talking to my parents about. You know just my experiences but for adhd i did end up on that lower end of the spectrum just because coming into it i had so many coping mechanisms to just get through school because for a long time that was my that was my identity and i just focused on figuring out how to be smart because that was the only thing that mattered to me
0: wow that's so interesting i relate so much to the fact that like um, the whole interaction things, so, like, I've always been a very social, I'm very, very social person, I love talking to people, I love being in groups, and I love, you know, talking and stuff like that, but I I do see what you're talking about in terms of, like, sometimes just not wanting to and people expect you to, like, always want to, like, it's part of your human duty to say hi to me, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I don't think it's a, I think it's a society we see it as, like, disrespect if you don't come to my house and don't say hi to me, I understand that, but like, in terms of what you were saying, it's just, like, not that I don't like not that I hate you, but it's just like I don't want to do I don't that. want to and I feel like you have boundaries and people should respect that and see it as a boundary, not see it as like a personal or like a she's trying to hurt me kind of thing. Like it's just that you have your boundaries and that's that's perfectly fine, you yeah, know?
1: Yeah, and like another lesson that I heard to learn was that I don't have to communicate on the timetables of other people. Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot longer for me to process information. Mm-hmm. So like any time there's a confrontation I cannot respond to it in that moment. Like, mm-hmm. I always have to take a couple hours, sit with what you said, digest what you said, and then come back. Mm-hmm. And so it threw a lot of people off because it's like, why aren't you saying anything? I'm saying all these things. Why aren't you saying anything? And, or, or, you know, I would say something, but I wouldn't say the right thing. And then people would be angry with me. Okay, well. And it's like, but I thought I was supposed to talk, but it was because what I said wasn't clear. Or I didn't say it the right way. And or I didn't say it in a way that was socially acceptable because I'm very blunt. So it's just like, you know, I feel this all done. And, you know, just having people not receive that well. Well, why do you feel that way? I feel that way because I feel that way. And just not like, or just like explaining in very clear terms. So there is no room for misinterpretation. And so, you know, people view me as insensitive and as cut and dry. Or like, you know, you ask Washington how she feels, she's going to give you a very blunt, direct answer. And that's going to be it. And there's not much to talk about with her. Mm. And so, you know, it was very, very, it was hurtful, because I was like, why can't I do this? Like, why can't I just, like, talk to people and be fine? And, you know, having to follow all of these social rules and, you know, when I'm overstimulated, people would get upset with me because I couldn't communicate at the time what was going on with me. I was only able to communicate it after it happened. So, you know, I would be upset and, you know, I'd be like, well, I wish you would have told me that then. I was like, I I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Like, because for me, I was in very much a state of, fight or flight Mm -hmm. and when you're in survival mode and someone asks you hey why are you trying to survive right now do you really think that in any situation when you're in that mode that you'd have an answer Mm -hmm. no so you know when i'm overstimulated and i'm in these public situations i'm so overwhelmed with anxiety right right, and you know just fear and anger there's such a tornado of emotions going on to where my brain is literally like okay we're either going to hovel in a corner or we're going to run away and you know sometimes I'll just disassociate completely um so just like when people get angry with me like you're just a bad communicator why can't you do this now why can't you do this this time why can't you do it that time like I'm sorry I just didn't have the capacity to tell you while I was having an internal meltdown that I can't do this right
0: now That's- that's a lot. I- it's a lot, like, hearing you say that, because I think a lot of people, like you were saying earlier, like, when they hear the word autism or ADHD, they don't- they don't have- they don't really understand the means, and they think it's, like, all the same category, all the same traits, whatever, and, like you said earlier, it's not. It's all different, and if you don't really understand that, take the time to take the time, because I feel a lot of people, if they really use the time to, like, understand, like, Outside themselves, you'd have a much, better, much, better better the society. You know, mm-hmm. people would like have an open mind and not be so self centered. That we would probably all live much better lives. And even with me and like cluttering, it's like at my job too. Sometimes my I'm, I get hyped up, I get anxious, I get whatever, and my words just get stuck, and I can't say what I want to say. And I, I mean, I could, but it's just like a lot of effort yeah. in my mind to slow down to talk and to say things clearly like it's so exhausting that's why i'd rather just not do it because i'm just like it's just too much work right now and when i do do it it comes out kind of jumbled or fast or whatever and i get these looks and it's like okay like you know Mm -hmm. you want me to talk i'm talking yourself this going not come out well that's just who i am how i communicate sometimes deal with it and it's just it's just a lot of effort and Like you were saying earlier, it's just like sometimes I just don't want to. And that's on me. I don't want to do it right now. Like people take so much offense. And it's like, why? Like it's not about you. It's like nothing to do with this person. It's just eternally my brain's like not right now. Like sorry, but no. Yeah. So I get that. So, um. Let's touch base on like um, stigmas and also inter- intersectionality, too, because mm-hmm. you're a black female, mm-hmm. you know, you're young, you're in Columbus, um, ADHD, and also autism. How do those all play a role, you think, in your life?
1: Um, so um, for a really long time, I struggled with depression in very, very serious ways. Um, so for a really long time, I... Didn't have the capacity to think about anything else because I was trying to walk myself off of a cliff mm-hmm. And just take steps back mm-hmm. So that you know, I was able to See what was behind me. Okay, and I wasn't just so focused on this Cliff that I so desperately wanted to jump off of right. right. and so, you know, I was even struggling with it when I got my <sighs> diagnosis for autism so my brain is kind of like okay first we have to deal with the depression and then we can focus on the ADHD and the autism right so we gotta we gotta tackle it one thing one day at a time and I realized that you know I was by hesitating to deal with all of these other things because they all commingle and dance with each other. Mm-hmm. Like I the same way that I'm not a black person first and then a woman second. Those two things play together. Those mm-hmm. experiences play together. Mm-hmm. So, and this was actually a realization that I came to yesterday having a conversation with my friend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just being like I can't keep thinking that, you know, I can just tackle these things one one day at a time right, right. because not only do they all Play together, but these are things that will I will have the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So, like you know, even the idea of tackling it at some finite point in time doesn't exist because depression, ADHD, autism these are lifelong things. So, just being able to regulate my emotions while all of these things play in my head is something moving forward that will be very very important to me. And I think the way my identity as a black woman intersects most with, you know, me having these disabilities is in my willingness to share with other people. Mm. I think that's where it's reflected most the way I communicate with others mm. because as black women we already deal with so much mm. whether we, like every time we go outside of our homes we are reminded of the fact that we are black and women in public mm. and so you know having to deal with that and then also explain to people that I have ADHD and autism and then clearly articulate what that means and also have the peace in that listen if you don't treat me a certain way if you don't if you dismiss me because of my diagnosis because of what's happened to me in the past this automatic dismissal that seems to happen when i do share with people at times when they get upset about something that i'm doing mm-hmm. you know it, that's a lot Mm-hmm. like that's just that's a lot to deal with and so you know sometimes I found that it's very much a flip like a flip of a coin some people respond with empathy some people respond with dismissal and some people respond to pit with pity and you know the only time that I've really ever gotten a reaction that I have been able to find comfort in is when I'm talking to other people like me okay or okay. Who understand what okay. I'm going through okay so I don't I really don't feel the need to share my diagnosis with Everybody. everybody Yeah. Everybody. you know because I do think it is a privilege to be able to keep some of those things private exactly because when I walk outside you know I'm a black woman I can't hide it like right the cat is out
0: the bag right like, period I'm, I'm black in I'm public here. you know I'm here yeah.
1: but like with my with my diagnoses and even with my identity as a queer woman whether or not I share that and where I share that is up to me mm-hmm. so I'm very intentful with sharing that information and the, that, that doesn't in any way shape or form mean that I am ashamed of who I am because I'm not but you know there's a time and a place for everything and you know if and I don't know whether or not you are willing to understand where I'm coming from I don't know how you're going to respond to what I'm saying I cannot anticipate the way you're going to treat me in public Mm -hmm. so you know I'm not ashamed of my diagnoses I love the way I think I love my identity Mm -hmm. I love who I am
0: but you know there's a time and a place for everything yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think you touched a, a really good point talking about um, sharing diagnoses and keeping it private some moments and like sharing it other moments. And I think with anyone who's <clears throat> like anything you're trying or like you have that you can't see physically, it's like you have that privilege or people have the privilege to know more about you if they're close with you. Like I found with me when I first found out that I had cluttering, I got diagnosed three years ago. Um, it was like, okay, like, whatever. But with that, like you were saying earlier, came with a lot of things. Like, I remember I used to have social anxieties. I was so afraid that people might judge me because of how I spoke. And, you know, I learned the past three years that it's not going to change. It's just part of who I am. And I don't want to have any more shame with that with myself. And mm-hmm. I am my therapist, my like, talk, my speech therapist, and she's, like, saying, like, she was like, why don't you just you know disclose at first that you have cluttering to your like your professors at school and your co-workers and people in your classmates, they just know how you communicate and i said i first i didn't want to so I'm like i i had shame with it i didn't want to i was so ashamed of that part of myself and she's like why and i was like because i feel like people are going to judge me da, 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 da. and now that i'm older and this is three years ago I no longer have that same kind of shame with it but I do I think I'm tired of having to always explain explain and disclose like I think of course people can't know everything about you like I understand that and you know we all have our own lives but it's like I feel like sometimes you notice something different about someone else instead of reacting to it in a negative way or making it this big deal that it, it could just be, it just is, you know?
1: Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people I've been talking to don't, like, well, not a lot, but some of the people that I've interacted with and shared my diagnoses with don't have the capacity to do that and make that realization. So, you know, just trying to explain away things or explain things or use my diagnoses as a crutch to help with a narrative that they're trying to push that they have of me. Mm. And, you know, also... I am not a monolith. So, you know, just having to always explain and be in, be in this constant position of a teacher. Mm. I didn't sign up for that just because I was. I'm autistic. I didn't sign up for that just because I have ADHD. Mm. While I do love to teach, I want to teach people who want to learn. And that's not where everybody is. Mm. So, you know, even when we had the whole, you know, BLM protests and black people became monoliths in their workplaces, you know, what do you think we should do? What do you think we should say? What, what, huh, huh? <laughs> And it's just kind of like, I didn't sign up for this. Right. Like, I'm a black person in public. Yes, I, the cat's out the bag again, I know. <laughs> but like, I am not, I am not a symbol I'm not the I'm not a symbol of blackness and while those are things that make me proud and those are things that I love about myself, I don't owe anybody anything. Right, right. I don't owe you an explanation, I don't owe you a D and I lesson. Right. You know, I am a black, queer, autistic woman who
0: exists. Yeah, that's it. And and it just is. It just is. Like, it's not good, bad. It just is what it It is. It just is. Yeah.
1: And, you know, also, it's very interesting because not a lot of people agree with me when I say that. Mm -hmm. When it's just like, I don't have to teach you. And if I don't want to, if I don't want to give you this lesson right now, then why share the diagnosis with you at that point in time at all? Right. So if I'm not fully prepared to have a conversation with you about it, Uh you know, then why... why bring that up and you know like there are certain times like when i was talking with my parents or i was talking with my friends and sharing those diagnoses with them it was because i wanted them to understand me better i wanted to be understood by them and if they had questions i was in the headspace to answer those questions i was ready for that conversation but you know Jane at Cubicle 2? No.
0: Not Jane at Cubicle
1: 2. No. Jane, cubicle two. <laughs> <laughs> like That's I'm actually so crazy. Go <laughs> like, going. I'm at work. Like, this is what I came here to do. This is the purpose that I have. Uh-huh. You know, I just found that, like... I don't need everybody to understand me and understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. You yeah. get it, the girlies who get it, get it, and the girlies who don't, go, don't, don't. Me, and that's okay.
0: Period. <laughs> we gotta end here in a minute. I um, just wanna end off by asking you a question. Okay, so like, as a society, what can we do more to help make sure that we're understanding people who do have autism and ADHD? How can we be more engaging and more, I guess, diverse and inclusive in those aspects? Um,
1: I would definitely say do your research and stop relying on these people to share these narratives for you mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. in order to be empathetic and understand. Right. Because you know empathy does not equate understanding. I don't need to fully understand somebody to empathize with that experience. Period. Period. So you know, you know empathy comes from a mix of emotional mm-hmm. maturity and like logic. Mm-hmm. But within those two definitions, within those two things, understanding is not needed in that equation. Right. Um. So you don't gotta understand everything to empathize with my story and shut up and listen to me when I speak.
0: So <laughs> shut up is a big. Shut up is a big, big one. Shut up. <laughs> listen. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you know that one. Just like opening your ears and also always approaching people. As if they're people, as if they're humans right. with their own stories, with right. their own backgrounds, with their own definitions mm-hmm. of living. Not everybody's going to conform with what you think about something, and that's fine. And if they did, that would make life very, very, very Very, very boring, very, boring,
0: very plain. It would
1: make life very plain and very right. boring. So approach everyone with the idea... That this person might think different from me. This person Mm -hmm. might interact different with me. Whether or not I jive with that, okay. But always approaching conversations with a sense of open-mindedness and empathy. And then creating avenues for people with mental disabilities to express themselves. To be autistic. To have ADHD in public. (laughs) Like, I know what I'm doing is not socially Mm -hmm. Is not socially acceptable. I don't need you to tell me that. Mm-hmm. I don't need that conversation. I know, mm-hmm. but this is something that I need to do so that I can function. Right, right, so, right, right, know, right, right. I would definitely say approaching conversations with a mindset of open-mindedness and empathy because when you find that when you change people's minds, that's when action comes in. Mm-hmm. When enough people change their minds about how they right. approach something, right. that's when we see change. So, you know, I think we'll see change about how people... I think when we see change in how people decide to interact with other human beings because we all participate in the culture of humanity, I think that once we see that change we'll be able to see more avenues for, um, for improvement
0: Yes, that was a good conclusion. Oh my <laughs> Washington, thank you for your time thank here. You. Sorry for the mishaps. I, I just feel so ghetto right now. <laughs> <laughs> earlier, this thing did not record, but we finished and we finished on the timely manner. So nice. thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Okay.